Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on Donate? What? Charles Darwin. All right, well, Logan, it is Monday, and last I checked, that means that we are talking sports history, and indeed, we are. So today we're going to be talking about the top 10 three-point shooters in NBA history. I thought this was one of our tougher lists. Then again, I kind of think that every time, but so many different things that you can value here with each individual candidate. So I'm going to throw it over to you first. Who do you have in the 10 spot? Yeah, I first want to say, Carson, this is excruciating to rank these guys. And at the number 10 spot, I'm not really confident in my choice, but I'm going to go with it. At number 10, I have James Harden. This was a last-minute audible for me. I took Pages Stoyakovic right off of my list here at the, at the last minute just because I felt like there at least needed to be one high-volume shooter on this list. And one of the greatest high-volume shooters of all time, and James Harden. Uh, he's just good at getting buckets. He has one of the highest uh, three points uh, per game. Like, uh, And what I mean by that is uh, points made uh, simply off of three-pointers per game at 8.4, although he attempts 7.7 per game. And compared to every other shooter on this list, his percentages are way down. 36.5 career three-point shooter. But what is in his favor, he's a three-time league leader in three-pointers made. Uh, He has the second uh, highest single-season mark for three-pointers made in 2019, the fifth highest mark for single-season made three-pointers in 2020. Um, Again, the big knock on him, though, Carson, is the rating. And the one stat that I used for everybody else above this is how many seasons did they have shooting over 40% from the field? James Harden only has one, and that is this season uh, out of 12 seasons played. So comparative to everybody else, if you want a guy to take one three-pointer, Harden's probably not my guy, but I felt one volume shooter needed to be rewarded on my list. So he comes in at the 10 spot, but I, I am feeling a little remorse leaving Peja off my list. So right away, we are getting into really tough decisions. And Harden is a guy who I have grappled with a bunch. There was a time when I thought he was a lock on my list. 
he ends up being either my first or second guy off because he's such a unique candidate here. Because as you mentioned, his raw percentages maybe don't compare, but that's not the most important thing in this conversation. I don't think now it's certainly unimportant thing, but when you're looking at a guy who has two of the top five single seasons, as far as three pointers made of all time, as you mentioned, a three-time leader in threes made already fifth in career three pointers made. Of course, the percentages may be lag behind, but particularly over these last five seasons, when he's making four threes a game, he has completely changed what is possible with this shot, with the step back, which he hits not only at an incredibly high volume, but efficiently. This year, he's shooting 42% on nearly five step backs per game. Last year, it was 37%. The year before that, it was 39%. So no matter what it is, as long as it falls in that range, you're talking about really good offense that is completely and utterly unguardable, that also changes everything for the guys around you because defenses are so keyed in on, okay, what do we have to do when Harden has the ball? And yes, obviously he has prowess in so many other ways, getting into the lane, drawing fouls. But I would say his single greatest weapon is the step back three. And when you're the single greatest weapon of one of the 10 best scorers maybe this game has ever seen, then you should probably be a candidate for a top 10 shooter of all time. Ultimately though, although he has shot well off the catch, he's 40 plus percent over the last few years. He just hasn't gotten to take many. I just don't think he is as good of a pure shooter. And when I look at some other guys whose percentages maybe don't quite stack up, I think, man, they do other things like they stretch the floor out so far. And Harden does that. He definitely does. His gravity as a shooter goes beyond his raw percentages. And he's one of the most unique three-point shooters we've ever had. I end up just leaving him off, though, in favor of some purer shooters. But I don't know, man. If Harden keeps up this pace from beyond the arc... And it's slowed down a little bit in Brooklyn, but it's still pretty exceptional. And as you mentioned, the efficiency is better than it's ever been. I think he'll have to be on this list. But there are so many current guys who are just breaking what we previously thought was possible from deep. Do you think he's the greatest step-back shooter of all time? Absolutely no question. And it's one of the most valuable shots you can have from beyond the arc. So I don't feel good at all about keeping him off my list. And the more I think about it, the more I wonder if he should be on there but I don't have him on there. So as I get into my number 10, I want to just clarify a few things that were important in making these decisions for me. So one of the fundamental tenets when talking about sports, in my opinion, is you compare people to their era, right? You say, maybe Bill Russell isn't as skilled as whatever big man you want to choose from today's game, but comparatively to his era, he was so transcendent defensively, yada, 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 that he was still the best among his peers. And that's all that's fair to say because athletes are constantly getting better. I kind of think three-point shooting is the rare exception to that. Now, you don't completely throw error out of the window and just compare raw numbers to raw numbers because we are going to continue to see growth from beyond the arc. But I also think it's such a unique weapon in that it was introduced, obviously, relatively late in the sports history, and it wasn't heavily utilized until 20 years ago, and now it's being utilized at a rate that is obviously even exponentially greater than then. So... Can I put a guy like Larry Bird on my list when he's making less than one three a game? And even though he may have been a class above his peers, it's just the shot itself was so far behind. I don't know if I can, because we're not talking about an all around player here. We're talking about a specific shot. And when you're comparing a specific shot, I kind of feel like it's fair to just say, who are the best guys? And if people are constantly getting better at that shot, then you're just going to have a heavy modern bias. So I do. Most of the guys I thought are active players. And there's a couple exceptions to that. Pajaw is a great retired guy. One of my honorable mentions, but Who I have at number 10 is actually Seth Curry, who has averaged 1.8 makes from three a game over his career. Not the longest career, obviously, up to this point, but 44.4% from deep. One of the absolute best of all time there. In five seasons, his career low is 42.5%. And I'll be honest, the guy who pushed hardest for this spot, I would say alongside Harden, 
But I kind of decided, okay, am I going to take an elite catch-and-shoot guy or am I going to take James Harden? And then once I ruled out Harden, it came down to these two guys. It's him and Joe Harris, who I think are two of the five best shooters in basketball right now. And so close between the two of them. The difference ended up being, to me, Seth just has a little bit of a better handle and accordingly has a little more of a pull-up game. A counter-argument might be Harris at 6'6". It's easier for him to get shots off in tight windows and all that. That's a strong enough case, I think. But to me, the creation off the dribble is a slightly bigger difference maker. And again, 44.4%. Now, Harris is 43.7. I couldn't have any beef with anybody having him on their list, but I ended up going with Seth. So, with that, who do you have at number nine? No, this will flow perfectly. I have Seth Curry at my number nine spot, and I think it's almost mandatory to have Seth on this list. As you mentioned, Carson, he's played nearly five full seasons in the league. He has shot over 40% from deep in every single one of those seasons. Uh, he averages 5.4 three points uh, per game. Um, and what I what I factored in here too as well, Carson, uh, a big factor was playoff uh uh, percentages and a lot of the guys, Carson, especially James Harden, he goes from being a 37 and a half or 36 and a half career three point shooter to 33 percent in the playoffs. Seth, in limited action, is still a 42 and a half percent career three point shooter in the playoffs. He's just a valuable commodity. Also, the second highest uh, three point percentage of all time. I mean, Seth is a. <laughs> it's kind of criminal that Seth has been so underrated because of you know and overshadowed because of what his brother has done. Because arguably. Seth is just as good a shooter, I would say, like off the catch. Now, what Seth can do with the ball in his hands, I don't think anyone in NBA history compares, but what Seth does off the catch, what Seth can do off the dribble is really underrated just because he's overshadowed by his older brother, but I think he's a mandatory lock to have on this list when you were this consistent every single season from deep. Again, over 40% every single year. I think he's a lock on anybody's list. He's second all-time in three-point percentage. As you mentioned, Joe Harris, who I narrowly left off, is fifth. So either way, you're picking between absolute greats. I will say, though, something that works slightly to the disadvantage, even of Seth still, is the versatility as a shot maker from deep, which I think is so important and is ultimately more important than your raw percentages and something that works in Harden's favor, favor for sure. And just one more thing about Seth that's so interesting is people somehow couldn't determine that he was an NBA-level talent until he was 25, when we both agree he's a top 10 shooter of the basketball from beyond the arc ever, and that is the most important thing that every team is always looking for just in having rotational pieces. And again, he couldn't work his way consistently into rotation until he's 26 years old, and we've seen him thrive since then, and now is obviously doing tremendous things for a Philly team that is in contention, but just crazy to me that people couldn't see that earlier. Okay, so my number nine spot goes to another guy who is primarily doing his work off the catch, I would say even more so than Seth, and that is J.J. Redick, who's a career 41.5% three-point shooter, averaged 2.1 makes per game, a one-time leader in three-point percentage, and is definitely in a similar tier to Seth and Harris. Now, Seth and Harris have both shot slightly better. They've also obviously done it for much less time. And I will say that two more guys who I consider, who I ended up being able to write off relatively early in this conversation, but who I think have real strong cases to be on this list relatively soon, Davis Bertans and Duncan Robinson, just because I think last year they both had completely historic campaigns where like 90% of their shots are coming from beyond the arc. And because of their height and their ability to get shots off quickly, they are changing what is possible as far as just being a pure three-point shooters where you can run offense for them, running them off screens all day. They're taking nine threes a night. And I've never seen anything like that. Now they're both not shooting quite as well this year as last year. And I'm not going to put anybody on this list with one year sample size when JJ Redick has done it for more than 15 years. But I do think that they're changing what's possible, and I don't know. Did you consider either of those guys at all? I'll get back to JJ, but I just wanted to mention that because I really do think that 
they could be on pace for that kind of resume. I mean, percentage-wise with where they sit right now, I definitely think they should be in the conversation, but I just wanted guys with a little more sample size before I con- you know, before I concretely put them on the list. You said, I'm sorry, Bertans and Robinson, correct? Yes. How was Robinson's year shooting for uh, this season? How has that affected your judgment on this list? It has told me that I'm not ready to put him in my top 10 shooters of all time because I think he's still at 40% or so, 39%, and Bertans is at about 37%. I can't put a guy on because of one year because there's a possibility that maybe it's a little bit fluky. But, I mean, Bertans at 6'10 and Robinson at 6'7 with one of the quickest releases in basketball. It's just they're being weaponized off ball in a way that we've never seen. But Redick is maybe not quite the same kind of weapon, but is an earlier iteration in that he's a guy who just runs off screens all day. And the reason he had to be on this list for me compared to Joe Harris is he's one of the best movement shooters we have ever seen. I think he's a better movement shooter than Seth and maybe doesn't have the handle of those guys, but his ability to hit leaning threes, threes while he's still on the move, while his feet aren't fully set, is one of the most special things we've ever seen. And that's the difference maker to me. Now, he has shot under 30% from three eight times. His career percentage is still over 41, as I mentioned, which is insane. That eight times missing the 40% mark is definitely high for this list, but he's better than 44% off the catch in six of eight seasons on the record. I think that speaks to his incredible value there, and that's why he has been not only on NBA rosters for as long as he has, but a really good, important player. It's because not only is he lights out when you get the ball to him, but he is lights out in tight window, in tight windows, and he's good at getting open off the ball, maybe even more so than a couple other guys who are exceptional in this conversation. Now, this is interesting to me, Carson, because I have Joe Harris at the eight spot, which means two of the guys that you have on your list up higher completely miss my list in general. So, this list is just going to be wacky as we move on. Um, the case for Joe Harris, uh, we've talked about it a lot this season, Carson. Joe Harris is literally having one of the greatest three-point shooting seasons of all time, uh, all-time efficiency on uh, all-time levels of attempts. He's a one-time league leader in uh, three-point percentage as well. He's one of the most elite catch-and-shooters that we've ever seen, 55% this season. He's been lights out alongside uh, the big three in Brooklyn. And another thing that plays into his favor, six three-point points per game, um, in six nearly full seasons played for Joe, he's got four seasons shooting over 40%. As you've mentioned, he's got the fifth highest career three-point percentage. Uh, so let me ask you, so I know that you've mentioned skill sets and how that has played against Joe Harris because he's not an elite maybe off the dribble shooter. Did the longevity factor play in for Joe Harris? Is that another reason why he can't be on your list just yet? Well, it's not a reason that he can't be on my list, but it definitely works against him because him and Seth basically have the same longevity And I think that Seth is just slightly more impressive at this point. And obviously it's going to work in favor of a guy like JJ when he's done it for more than 15 years again. But I do think it comes down to a skill set thing as being the slight factor that determines JJ being above him for me. But I had Joe Harris on my list for a long time. Like there was a bunch of tinkering. And I'm not surprised that I have two guys above who you don't have at all because I think there's so many different directions you can go here. Yeah, and I have JJ a little bit higher on my list as well. So... Uh, I'm just ready for this roller coaster. Okay. So we may be getting surprising up in here. I have Kyle Korver in my number eight spot. And basically the reason for this is I don't have guys in my top five who are pure catch and shoot players. And Kyle Korver is alongside Clay Thompson, who I don't think is a pure catch and shoot player, but maybe the greatest catch and shoot guy of all time. There's a case to be made. 42.9% from deep in his career, averages two makes per game, a four-time league leader in three-point percentage. His career worst is 37 and a half. He's been 40 plus percent in 12 of 17 career seasons and had a six-year stretch 
where he shot 46.2% from deep. And I think as a class above even Redick or Seth Curry or Joe Harris or any of them, he's 6'7", which just makes him such a lethal weapon off the catch. It's what I'm talking about with the Duncan Robinson factor, where it doesn't really matter how contested he is. He's such a dead eye, but his handle is just pretty limited. And to me, that's the reason I can't have him higher. Now, I certainly thought about it. I thought about having him in my top five. There was a time when I did, but I looked at the guys around him and I was like, is this logically consistent? And if I say, okay, Kyle Korver is at number four, but then JJ Reddick's at number nine, I don't know that it is because they're such similar players and Korver is just a slightly better iteration. So I end up coming in with him at number eight. He is an otherworldly pure shooter, but just can't do it in quite as many ways as the rest of the guys who I have above him. I have Kyle Korver way higher. Um, The longevity factor certainly played a big factor into why he ranked so high. Um, The consistency from percentage, uh, the percentage aspect, the consistency from a catch and shoot aspect, the uh, just pure longevity and how many three-pointers he has made total. All of those played into why I have Korver higher. So I'll get into that when I do. But at number seven, I have a guy that you've already talked about in JJ Redick. And the big knock on him, the big knock why I couldn't have JJ higher, again, you've touched on it. Um, off the dribble aspects are certainly one of them, but the biggest thing was the 7 of 15 season shooting over 40%. Everybody higher on my list was just a little more consistent in percentage-wise. You know, 80% of their seasons were over 40%, and that was the key stat for me, just seasons where you were shooting over 40%. Still, it's very impressive. 6.33 points per game in the regular season, 5.13 points per game in the playoffs. Another thing that knocked him down for me. In the playoffs, he's dropped off. He's only a 37.1% career three-point shooter in the playoffs, but again, he led the league in three-point percentage. He's had one of the longest three-point careers of all time, Uh, and he's just, he's a really good off-ball shooter, and uh, he's you can use him in so many different ways off of screens, off of picks to the top of the key in the corner, wherever you want. He's deadly. Uh, but those factors are what played into him and why I couldn't rank JJ any higher. Okay. So my number seven is another guy who I think may be controversial in this list. He was completely off of my list for most of the time. And then I ended up kind of taking a hard look in the mirror and being like, if I need one, three, am I really taking 10 plus guys over him? I have Kevin Durant in my number seven spot. And obviously the percentage is not going to quite compare. He's 38.2% from deep in his career. That's one of the lower ones on this list. He only has 1.93 pointers made in his career per game, which is one of the lower marks on this list. But I guess the difference is that he can literally get a shot off whenever he wants. And obviously the handle plays into that. The fact that he is 6'10 certainly plays into that. But I just think if Kevin Durant in a different world didn't have this phenomenal handle and just purely had the shooting ability he would be Davis Bertans, right? You would just run him off screens all day and he would be one of the most lethal shooters in basketball off the catch. The difference is he could be that, he isn't, but he also is one of the greatest one-on-one shot makers from beyond the arc in basketball. And obviously, if we were doing greatest shooters, period, incorporating mid-range, he's probably number one on my list all time, obviously. Throw Steph Curry in there as well, but he's, I think, one of the greatest mid-range shooters we've ever seen. I think he's arguably the most versatile scorer we've ever seen. And... If you do look at what he's done off the catch, because I think that's a fairer comparison in some ways because his degree of difficulty is higher doing so much off the dribble. He has five straight seasons shooting 40 plus percent on catch and shoot threes. His last three years, he's been 47%, 41%, and 49%. And when you watch a Nets game right now that he is doing a little more off the catch, 
Every single time he gets the ball, you think it's going to go in. And because he is such a lethal off-ball shooter in that way, again, his shot is completely unaffectable. You just look at two of the greatest daggers he's hit in the sports history. Dudes are right in his mouth. It does not matter because you cannot affect his shot. And because he does have such a lethal handle, and all of that to me is enough to say, even if maybe the volume isn't there, even if the percentage isn't there, it's because I know that he's good at so much else that he can do so much from the mid-range that that's why maybe those numbers aren't a little higher and that because he does take so many shots off the dribble, which are just inherently tougher. But at the end of the day, I felt a little weird having him off my list. I don't know if he is the absolute best catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, I think he's pretty exceptional there, but the all-around skill set to me is why I have him at number seven. I let the numbers dictate my decisions on this list a little more, and that's ultimately why I left KD off of my list. Um, again, you mentioned it, the 38.2 career three-point percentage in the playoffs, 35.2%. Um, and his attempts to points per game from deep were a little uh, misleading as well, or excuse me, a little unimpressive, I guess. 4.9 three-point attempts to only 5.7 points. In the playoffs, 6.2 three-point attempts to only 6. Uh, 6.6 three-points. Um, and then you mentioned the five seasons over 30, uh, 40%. He's played 13 total. I do want to do a separate list, though, Carson, and maybe maybe we'll do this after our honorable mentions. Because it's hard for me to discern between guys I want taking a last-second three and just greatest shooters of the basketball. Because I do think Katie is one of the greatest shooters ever, from deep, from mid-range, as you mentioned, anywhere on the floor. And I and Katie is definitely one of the top ten guys I want taking a shot with, you know, five seconds on the clock. So if it's cool with you, Carson, I say we run down another separate top ten guys we want taking a last-second shot because it doesn't sit well with me either that I left KD completely off my list. Yeah, I think that to me it just comes down to, again, I don't think the percentages tell you how great of a shooter he actually is. But I can understand having him off because he just doesn't compare in that respect to some of the other guys. He's 5.5% worse from three in his career than Joe Harris, who is not on my list. So I get it, but I felt like I had to have him here because of the skill set. All right, so let's move on to your number six. Who do you have? This may come as a shock to a lot of people with how low I have this guy, but at number six, I have Ray Allen. And, you know, he's the all-time leader in three-pointers three, points, uh, three pointers made, 2,973. He led the league in three-pointers made three times. Um, but the one—and uh, he's got the 14th most threes made in a single season. That was 2006 with the Sonics. He made 269, and that record stood for a long time until, you know, a little guy named Steph Curry came along. The number that really played against Ray was his total seasons over 40% out of 19 seasons played. He only shot over 40% eight times. And I know that number probably shouldn't dictate as much as it should. Ray Allen shot a lot of shots off of the dribble. He made a lot of, you know, he was the, he was the leading man for a lot of different teams, Carson. And that is, I think, the reason why his percentages got so low. It's why they got so much better when his role was just simply to be a catch and shooter in Miami, in Boston. But those numbers matter to me. Only a 40% career three-point shooter. Um, that number doesn't drop off in the playoffs. That was extremely impressive to me uh, uh, with Ray. 40.1% in the playoffs as a three-point shooter. Ray's obviously a lock to be on this list, but because of what he had to do, I guess, earlier in his career, and I, I, it feels wrong of me to have to hold that against him because he had to be that ball-dominant scorer back early in his career, but I do because his percentages just aren't nearly as impressive as some of the other guys on the list, despite him taking nearly six a game in an era where guys weren't doing that and taking nearly seven a game in the playoffs when guys still weren't doing that. But again, I let the percentages dictate most of my list and Ray doesn't really uh, hold a candle in that regard. That's interesting because I would say that the fact that he was able to be a superstar with the three as far and away his primary weapon, I think he's the first guy to ever do that. And you can argue Reggie, 
I don't think that Reggie's primary weapon was the three-point shot. I think it was just the jump shot in general. He was doing way more for mid-range, whereas Ray's taking eight-plus threes a game, and that was really just ahead of its time and knocking them down at 40%. So I do have him higher. It's interesting. I think that he's overrated all in all because people will tell you he's on par with Steph Curry or that he's better than Klay Thompson. I don't think either of those are very close to being true, but I do have him higher than number six. It's interesting though. All right, Logan, I'm about to make you angry. I have a feeling. I am pretty confident this is going to be the other guy who you don't have on your list. And I don't want you looking at my screen. I want to be the one to tell you who it is. I have Buddy Heald sixth. And you can leave. That's fine. Because I know that maybe he's not having his best shooting season right now. But what I will say is, he is shooting the ball at a volume and in a variety of ways that we have almost never seen in this sport early in his career. And Logan Howes is now completely left. Fine by me. But he has made 2.93s a game in his career thus far. That is fourth all time. He's done it at a 40.5% clip. Hasn't gone below 39% from deep yet in his career. Now he's at 37 this year. That is the lowest, but that's not over a full season. He has two of the top 11 single season marks as far as three-pointers made. And I just think the difference maker between him and some other guys is he has the combination of being so lethal off the dribble and off the catch. I'm sorry, you can't tell me that a guy who cannot get his own shot from deep like Buddy can is a better shooter than him when off the catch, his career marks have been 42%, 46%, 50%, and 41%. And I know you're frustrated that he's not having his best season, but that doesn't take away what he's done previous. I think that he is one of the most lethal deep shooters in the history of this game. He does not need anything more than a very tight window. And again, his handle is on a different level than some of these other guys. And so he is so deadly off the dribble. And that's a difference maker to me. So I have Buddy Heald at number six. He is through the first few years of his career, arguably off to the best shooting start of any player ever. Carson, whatever you're putting in that pipe, please pass it over here and let me smoke some of it because... There's no pipe. Dude, I want to quit. Do you even watch Nerd Sesh? I broke down last week why, buddy, his... I mean, he has steadily dropped off as a catch-and-shooter, 41% last year. He was a 50% catch-and-shooter, and I don't want to take away what he's done in the past, but he has steadily dropped off 35% as a catch and shooter this year. And it does matter in my opinion. Look, he has been consistent as anybody, but uh, hold up. I, I do want to clarify something too. You have KD lower than Buddy Heald. Now yeah. the numbers would probably give Buddy an edge in this short career that he's had, but I'm just lost, man. I All think right. this is your worst take ever. No, it's certainly not my worst take ever. So you want me to hold 30 games against a guy who has not steadily dropped off, as you say. He, this is his first time below 40% off the catch, Logan. And by the way, here's the selling point that maybe I didn't emphasize enough. He's one of the greatest pull-up three-point shooters we have ever seen. This year, he's knocking down 39% on almost four a game. That's ridiculous production. Last year, he was better than 37% on four and a half a game. Your little Kyle Korver, buddy, couldn't dream of it. He can't handle the ball. He handles it like Logan Camden out there. It's just he's a different kind of weapon because of his handle. The year before that, he's 37.5% on three attempts per game. Like, this is just a different kind of player than a bunch of other guys we've seen historically. And again, I will say he is fourth in three-pointers made per game of all time. And I just think he's going to sustain that mark. Look at what he's doing this year. Like, yeah, this is the worst shooting season of his career, right? And yet, I think he's taking 11 a game and is still one of the most unique weapons in the sport, or he's taking 10 a game and making 37% of them. His last three years are, again, all in the, or the last two were in the top 11 as far as single season three-pointers made, and he's on pace to do even better than those last two years. Number six on my list. That was a cheap shot. I got mad love for you, Carson, so I'm going to let that one slide, (laughs) but that was a cheap shot. Because I didn't like you saying it was my worst take of all time, all right? 
I think that Buddy is underappreciated in how historically unique he is as a shooter. Skill set wise, I will give you Buddy over guys like Corver, Reddick, Joe Harris. I will always take take a consistent catch and shooter like Joe Harris. I mean, percentage-wise, whatever you want to look at. And, dude, don't knock. Joe Harris is still a great moving shooter, and I'll, I'll give Buddy the, the pull-up jumpers, whatever. Joe is just a more consistent three-point shooter, maybe because of the degree of his difficulty of his shots isn't as high. I just – Buddy should not be on your list. Okay, man. let me ask you this then. Who's a better shooter, Damian Lillard or Joe Harris? Joe. Okay, we disagree then. Well, I mean, if you're talking – are we counting degree of – because I'm talking pure shooter. I want Joe. Like, degree of difficulty included, I'll take Dane. So, I think that the distance from which you can shoot the ball, your ability to shoot off the dribble, and all of that makes you ultimately a more complete shooter. If we're just picking guys, like, if a dude is, if a dude's primary weapon is his three-point shot, right, and he's an all-star level player or a true superstar, and another guy's primary weapon is his three-point shot and he scores 12 points a game or whatever, I think there's a reason for that. It's because you can't run an offense around Joe Harris. You just can't do it. Like, yeah, he's a good movement shooter. He's not a Bertans, Robinson, even J.J. Redick-level movement shooter. And none of those guys are handling even close to the level we see from Buddy. Like, that's why he can throw up 10-plus of them a game and make, again, 40% of them, Logan. He hasn't shot below 39% with the exception of this season, which we've seen 34 games of. So he's a special, historic talent as a shooter of the basketball. And I know that he's not playing his best all-around hoops right now, but that's not really because of what he's doing from beyond the arc. It's partly because of it, because this is a down season by his standards, but it's still a really good shooting season by league-wide standards. I'm just I'm just going to let you hang on your buddy healed island. All right, I will. So let's get into the top five then. Who do you have fifth? Number five, I've got another guy. Um, maybe shocked to be this low on my list. I expect him to be a little bit higher. Reggie Miller is at number five, uh, 39 and a half career uh, three-point shooter, 39% in the playoffs. He's a little lower than Reggie, but the thing that the distinction that I made between the two, again, I would say that Ray Allen is probably a better pure scorer. Reggie had 10 seasons over 40% uh, from deep. He played 18 total, much better than uh, Ray. He led the league in three-pointers made twice. And again, he just chucked up a bunch of games, four, uh, four and a half attempts per night, 5.4 three-points per game in the playoffs, five, uh, five and a half three-pointers uh, attempted a night, 6.6 three-pointers uh, made per game. He's third most in career three-pointers made. And uh, for me, it was, it was just the fact that Reggie was just a little more consistent than Ray. And again, I think we can chalk up the degree of difficulty. Reggie was a lot of spot up, a lot of uh, off of screens, even though I don't want to get away. He's still an excellent step back, an excellent creator, I think, uh, off the dribble. He doesn't get enough credit for, but, uh, and his height definitely plays a factor in having uh, him over Ray. Uh, just a little more harder to get up in his face, get up in his grill to contest those shots. Uh, but the consistency year to year, uh, 10 out of 18 uh, to me over 8 out of 19 uh, was just a better stat for me. So that is why I have Reggie over Ray. Okay, so I actually have Reggie in my five spot as well, and you read off a bunch of the stats. I just think he was such an exceptional shooter in tight windows. If it's off the catch or off the dribble, he just did not need much space at all, and as you mentioned, at 6'7", could get that shot off really easily, so the volume isn't there, although the playoff volume increases, and I do think that's telling, and by the way, one of the best parts about Reggie's career is he always got better in the playoffs. He's better across the board in the playoffs, and I think that's why he's been so immortalized historically, even though I think he's one-time third-team All-NBA or something like that. And this is a tough one to gauge because if Reggie were born in this era, would he be even higher than this? I think it's very possible. Ultimately, though, he wasn't, and yeah, he was an absurd jump shooter, 
But again, a lot of that was from mid-range. And maybe that's because people didn't understand the value of the three yet. But that's kind of just the reality of the situation. Like if people are using the shot better now, they're using the shot better now. And I do think that's maybe something that doesn't give Reggie his full credit. At the same time, his efficiency probably doesn't compare to some of the other candidates up here. 39.5% from deep is a great number. Good enough to be top five in both of our lists. It doesn't compare to number one or number two or anything like that. So Reggie has to be here for sure in the top 10. But I think he's another guy who people might slightly overstate as far as all-time rankings. And for good reason, I guess, because for a decent portion of the history of the sport, he was the greatest three-point shooter they'd ever seen. And then Ray Allen was the greatest three-point shooter they'd ever seen. You just have to understand how much better a guy like Steph Curry is than both of them. But we'll get to Steph in due time. So who do you have at number four? Number four, I have a uh, Phoenix's very own Steve Nash. And I wouldn't fault somebody for not having Steve on their list because there are certainly a lot of factors that play into... Uh, why Steve is so different from uh, other guys. Like, I want I want to contextualize. Who do I want shooting a last-second jump shot for me? Damian Lillard or Steve Nash? I want Dame. Do I want Kevin Durant shooting a last-second jump shot for me, or do I want Steve Nash? Well, I obviously want KD. But percentage-wise, the consistency at which Steve shot the three ball, 14 of his 18 seasons, he was over 40% from deep. He has the 11th highest career three-point percentage in NBA history. Uh, the 25th most career three-pointers made at 1,685. But another factor that I do think plays against Steve is the volume of which he was shooting it. So many of his shots came from the mid-range uh, with floaters. Um, and obviously, more of his game was based in getting the ball to other guys and playing that lead assist man. It's why he won two MVPs in that uh, super high run-and-gun uh, system back in the mid-2000s. But you know, you know, he only shot three a game um, for his uh, career in the regular season, only shot four a game in the playoffs, but his percentages stay high in the playoffs, nearly a 41% career shooter in there uh, in the playoffs, 4.2 three-pointers per night uh, in the regular season, four and a half uh, three-points per game in the playoffs. He was just extremely consistent, and I think that deserves to be rewarded, the longevity of his career, uh, how effective he was, and how efficient he was, and again, the biggest one, 14 out of 18 seasons, he was over 40% from deep. I think that needs to be rewarded. So I had Steve on my list for a while. He ends up being one of my tougher cuts. And I would say the primary reason is he never weaponized the three like other guys did. And you mentioned the consistency, the efficiency is stupid. 13 of his first 14 years, he was better than 40% from beyond the arc. And the one year under, he still shot better from three than he did from two. I guess I would just say the difference is at 6-3 and being a primary ball handler, you're not going to see him weaponized off the catch, right? You're not going to see him running off screens and all that. And it's not like he shot a bunch of pull-up threes. You mentioned 1.4 makes per game. That would be easily the lowest mark of anybody on my list. And I do think that that's telling. Now, he could have maybe been a deadlier shooter above the break, but he wasn't. He kind of just shot threes when they were wide open. Go back and watch Steve Nash shots. And I do think that that's part of the reason why he was so disgustingly efficient is he kind of just took good shots. And he's a great shooter of the basketball. Absolutely. Obviously, the free throw percentage is telling to his prowess as an all-around shooter as well. But... I just don't think he actually had the versatility that maybe you would think he did at the point guard spot that maybe like might work to his advantage in some people's minds because I honestly think J.J. Redick was a more impressive shooter of the basketball because of what we've seen him do again off movement coming off screens and tight windows and all that. You didn't see as much of that from Steve Nash. So I can't hold it against you having him. I will say I don't think he can be above Reggie or Ray because just of their difficult three-point shot making I think is the difference of their ability to in those final moments 
get you a shot no matter who's in their face and nail it. And that's not just anecdotal, I don't think. That's very clearly because of their height, because of their release point, because of the quickness of their release, all these things that make them just deadlier in those spots. You could run off-ball action for them. All these things, that's just a level above Nash. And so I would say the only thing that works in his advantage is pure three-point percentage. Could he be over Buddy Heald? Could he be over Buddy Heald? Yeah, I would say the reason would be longevity, though, is the thing that I can conceivably think of. I guess the argument against Buddy to me would be if he doesn't shoot at this clip for his entire career. But if he does, I think he belongs exactly where I have him. And I have every reason to think that he will. So, Buddy Heald, my number six. My number four, though, I don't think you're going to have this guy on your list. In fact, I pretty much know that you won't. I have Damian Lillard. So... It's an interesting one because he has shot the lowest percentage from three of anybody on my list. He does average 2.9 makes per game throughout his career. That is the second most of all time, only to the three-point god, Steph Curry. And I just think you kind of got to go to the eye test here. He, alongside Steph, has changed what we thought was possible from deep. And that's part of the argument for Harden, I would say. Is it really that there's that big of a gap between Dame and Harden as a shooter where I can tolerate Dame's relatively low percentage? I don't know, but I think there's a few reasons why I can. So first off, I just want to talk about everything he's so exceptional at as a shooter. He is the master of the leaning three. He's also alongside Harden, the master of drawing fouls on threes, which maybe doesn't go into this list, but he is the best guy at trying to draw a foul, at leaning in for contact, not getting the call and still making the shot. Like every time he shoots the ball off balance, I am terrified if I am the other team and he's stupid good off the catch 46% this year. So again, tells you that the percentages are just not fair to him because he's taking such tougher shots because he has to, to ultimately elevate his team's offense. Insane range, obviously. And he's a guy who's really gotten better at shooting throughout his career. His past two years are two of the three best in his career by efficiency on career high volume. And we're seeing him add things to his bag. I would say drawing fouls on threes is a relatively new thing in his bag over the past few years. This year, he's shooting 43% on 72 step back attempts. Last year, He was over 50% on step backs. It was 120 or something in total. And his last three years, this to me is ultimately the reason why I have to have him here. 39% on 232 shots from 30 to 39 feet. You can genuinely argue, maybe you can't, but he's the second greatest deep shooter of all time. Like if we're talking five feet beyond the arc, it's not close. It's him, Steph, and nobody else. And what that does to stretch out a defense where you have to double the high pick and roll if a guy sets a screen 35 feet out where he's legitimately a threat from the logo. That is a level of gravity that to me is the primary reason Damian Lillard is a superstar that he is today. You can talk about his athleticism, his ability to get downhill, draw fouls in there, all of that. What starts it? It is the fact that he can shoot the ball in your mouth from 35 feet out and hit it efficiently. It's not Trey Young. Trey Young is a dazzling shooter from deep, but you look at the percentages and they don't compare to Dames or Steph's. These guys are not only stretching out the court like that, they're doing it efficiently. And that to me is why I have Dame here. Because honestly, Logan, I think his best shooting years are right now and ahead of him. He has gotten considerably better in that respect, in my opinion. And again, off the ball, he is still so dangerous. So like, am I going to look myself in the mirror for one second and say, yeah, Joe Harris is a better, more valuable shooter than Damian Lillard? No, I can't do it. And I just think it would be holding a raw percentage against Dame against him unfairly against him that is ultimately the product of situation and of skill set so i have dame number four what do you think about that bravo thank Uh, you that that was beautiful thank you um no there is certainly a case to be made for dame and i I thought about having him um on my list for a long time he's on my short list of honorable mentions carson out of the 
out of everybody that I looked at, Damian Lillard has the highest, has the third highest mark for three point point uh, three points per game uh, in the in the regular season and in the playoffs. Only behind my guys in the one and two spot, he's got in the regular season. 8.7 uh, three-point points per game in the playoffs, nine three-point points per game. He is he's electric. He's He is one of the greatest shooters of all time. And, folks, I mistakenly held a raw percentage against him. So. so let me ask you this then. You would have considered James Harden a better candidate than Damian Lillard. Why is that? No, I feel foolish now for okay. it. Okay, okay. Yeah, to me it's just, I don't know, man. The deep shot making literally changes everything with this offense. I guess the only thing that I was looking at with Harden was really just the step back three mm-hmm. in general. And uh, he kind of just dazzled me with that. So yeah, I kind of got hit with the bait and switch there. Well, and I definitely looked long and hard at Harden too. I just think, I don't know, man, when Dame is shooting the ball, it is to me the third most terrifying experience in basketball, second to only Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And he's just flat out gotten better at it. So that's why I have him at my number four spot. All right, let's get into the top three. Who do you have third? I don't want to make this case anymore. Uh, I have Kyle Korver at my three spot. Uh, I feel like a dunce, uh, you know. No, make the case. Yeah, We're you know, just... he's good at shooting uh, shooting off the catch. Uh, <laughs> I, the consistency factor plays in for Korver. Uh, 12 of his 17 seasons, he shot over 40% from deep. He's got the 10th highest career three-point percentage uh, in NBA history. He's a four-time league leader in three-point percentage. He's a one-time league leader in three-pointers made. Um, yeah, well, I mean, when you look at the raw skill sets, though, he doesn't really compare to a guy like Damian Lillard or James Harden. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to wrap this one up. Don't undersell Corver. Corver is, as I said earlier, I think there's a strong case we made. He's the third best catch and shooter of all time. So stick to your guns, man. I don't want to anymore. <laughs> all right. All right, then don't stick to your guns. But I told you, I tinkered with Corver up at four. Like this is a tough one because you can value so many different things as we've seen. There's probably as much disparity in this list as we've ever had because it's just, it's a unique thing to rank. So, all right. My number three though is Ray Allen. And I think that you gave most of the stats and I guess the one that you would hold against him is he's below 40% nine times and that's fair enough. But I just think his ability off the catch, his ability coming off screens, leaning. And as I said earlier, I think arguably the first guy to turn the three into his primary weapon. He was taking eight plus threes a game, and Reggie, if you compare it to him, only topped six per game once, and that matters. Ray was putting up 25 a game, and yeah, obviously people talk about, oh, he was so much of a better athlete back then than what you saw later in his career, and so much more effective around the rim, and all that can be true, and yet it can also be true that the reason he was able to get to that point is because he was at that point the greatest shooter the league had ever seen. So I think we just saw him excel both in the roles as that on-ball creator If it's in Seattle, if it's in Milwaukee, where he's still knocking down 40 plus percent of his attempts on a really high volume. And then we also saw him thrive as that off-ball guy a little more in Boston and then fully in Miami. So that's why I have Ray at number three. I just think he's so versatile and the volume is there. And yeah, the 40% is obviously exceptional. It's not as good as probably a chunk of the guys on this list, but I don't think that that is the only stat that matters here. So as we work our way into the top two, Logan, I think you and I are going to agree who do you have second? No, I mean, when doing research for this, uh, to me, there was no question who was going to be in the top two spots. At number two, I've got one half of the Splash Brothers. I've got Clay Thompson. Um, 41.9% career, uh, three-point percentage, 14th highest uh, in league history. And the number that I was referring to with Damian Lillard, only Clay and Steph have higher marks in three-pointers, uh, three points points per game, uh, 8.7 for Clay in the regular season. No, actually, no. 
That was a cap stat. Clay and Damian are literally tied for the exact same amount of points per game from deep uh, in the regular season and playoffs, interestingly enough. 8.7 in the regular season, 9 in the playoffs. Uh, but again, the stat that really mattered to me in ranking most of these guys, Clay has been over 40% from deep in every single season of his career, 8 total. He's got the ninth most three-pointers made in a single season in 2016, the 15th most three-pointers made in a single season in 2017. And my favorite number for Clay is he does not change at all in the playoffs. Again, most of his game is based on... Uh, Catch-and-shoot attempts off of screens in the corner uh, when guys find him. He goes from a 41.9% shooter in the regular season from deep to only 41.5% in the playoffs. He's just absolutely elite. And already in Clay's short eight-season career, he's 19th on the most career three-pointers made leaderboard. And that's what I think about what's so exceptional about Clay Carson and why I think he will continue to hold this spot. I don't think he'll ever get to number one just because uh, Steph is one of the most exceptional shooters of all time. But I think Clay can suffer all of these injuries and come back and still be the same player because his game isn't based on, you know, this raw athleticism. He's, his game is just up and down. That smooth stroke that he has, just wetting shots in the bucket. And I don't think that's going to go away, even with all the knee injuries, the leg injuries. I think Clay's going to come back and be the same raw shooter that we've seen for eight seasons. Yeah, so... Clay is my number two as well. And it's interesting because I talked so much about versatility as a shooter and how essential that is. And I think when you think of Clay, you think catch and shoot. There's a couple things though. So I think as his handle has improved, and it's still not a good handle by NBA star standards, but it's better than what it was. We've seen him improve a little bit as a shooter off the bounce. He's 40 plus percent on pull-ups over the past couple years, whereas previously he could be in the 20s because he just didn't take that many. And he didn't have that ability to create space at all. But I guess the difference to me between Clay and other guys is, first of all, the height, right, at 6'7", where he can just be that guy in tight windows, and it doesn't matter if you have a hand in his face or whatever, he's going to get his shot off. The quickness of his release also, I think it's one of the quickest shots that we've ever seen in basketball. And then I think he's the greatest off-balance shooter ever. Throw Steph into that same tier, but it's certainly him above a class with anybody else from any angle, quickly, with anybody in his face, I've just never seen anybody shoot the ball like Clay Thompson. And you mentioned the consistency every year under uh, every year above forty percent. The two point nine makes per game is third all time. I think Dame has him by like a decimal of a make per game, and so Dame is second and Clay is third, but they're very close. Obviously, has the single game record for three pointers made, but even if I don't know, maybe he's not the shooter off the dribble that Dame is. He's so much better off the catch that I couldn't have anybody else here, and I don't think he's a beneficiary just of playing alongside Steph, so we look at him differently. No, he's a guy who was able to become a superstar in this league only because of his shot. I talked about how Ray was the guy who was the first one to become a superstar primarily because of his three-point shot. Klay Thompson, obviously the defense is part of it as well, but he was a 20-something-per-game scorer when he couldn't create off the dribble at all. Even if maybe he's a little better now, it's still not a strength of his game comparatively. He can get you 25 a night. He can get you 60 in a single game just by shooting the ball from beyond the arc, that we have never seen. That is the difference maker between him and other guys who are great shooters off the catch. It's not just because of the situation. He is exceptional in that respect, and there's a reason that other guys who we think of as great all-time shooters become role players for their careers, and there's one guy who became one of the great players of all time because of his shooting, and Klay Thompson is that one guy. So that's why I have him at number two. Number one, if anybody's listening and they have any beef with this selection... Go back to your time machine, and because you must be super old. Great. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who are they going to take, Carson? Uh, George Gervin? Like, like, what old head are you taking? Pete Maravich. 
That's a good take. I like that one. I'm actually going with uh, Sam Dietrich, local star of my high school basketball team. He once hit, he once hit uh, five threes against Goochland. Uh, he's undefeated as a starter. This kid's a beast. Um, no, actually, we're going with Steph Curry. Uh, there's really no other choice. I really question your basketball knowledge in general if you don't have Steph as your greatest shooter of all time. 43.4 career percent from behind the arc uh, on his career, seventh highest in NBA history. He attempts eight and a half a game in the regular season, scoring nearly 11 three-point points per game. In the playoffs, that number even goes up to nearly 13 a night. He's a 40.1% three-point shooter uh, in the playoffs. Five-time league leader in three-pointers made. Um, he's leading this season as well. 11 seasons over 40% from deep. That's every single season of his career, except last year when he only played five games. And uh, the stat that really puts a cherry on top of all of this Second most career three-pointers made already, but also he has the best single season uh, three-point, uh, the best single season uh, mark of all time with 402 in 2016, the third highest in 2019, the fourth highest in 2017, the seventh highest in 2015. I, I don't really know how you could argue against it, Carson. No, you can't. And you gave all the stats there, right? Where it's the greatest volume on all-time efficiency, maybe not number one all-time, but top 10 all-time, what have you, and never shot under 41% from deep in a single season, taking away the time he played six games last year. And what is the difference to me and always will be is his ability to do it off the dribble. I Since they began tracking this in 2013-14, he only has one season below 40% on pull-up threes. And they're from so deep, so consistently, he's 42% in his career from 30 to 34 feet. 72 of 171. Now, I will say another thing that's so special about Dame, Steph, who we think of as the greatest deep shooter of all time, right, has taken 171 in those seven years or whatever. Dame in his last three years has taken 232 from 30 plus feet. Like he just takes it to a different level there as far as volume. But yeah, I don't know how you could possibly look in the mirror and say anybody else. I mean, look at what Steph's doing with his handle where he's off balance. He's got a dude right in his face. Maybe even has his back to the basket and he turns around and just throws that thing up and he wets it. It doesn't matter the range. doesn't matter the degree of difficulty. doesn't matter who's guarding him. It's a weapon like we have never seen in basketball history. And again, then, he makes 43.4% of them. And he hit two of the most insane I've ever seen in uh, that game a couple weeks ago against the Magic. Mm -hmm. Late game. He's double teamed. Just in your mouth, he hits another one to, to take the lead. It's It doesn't make any sense that a guy can take this high a degree of difficulty of shots consistently and still be this high on the all-time leaderboard and percentages. As much as we love quantifying things here at Nerd Sesh, I almost feel like I don't even need to explain this one. Like, watch this dude play one game of basketball, assuming he's not having a terrible game, and you'll just see how different of a level he is at. And when he gets going, it's just over. It's over. So... Yeah, it's all-time efficiency, it's all-time volume, and it's on all-time degree of difficulty, and he just makes it look easy when everybody else would look like a fool trying to do what he does. So even compared to Dame, right, who I commend just for his ability to stretch the floor and hit him at a basically just above-league average clip, Steph hits those shots at an all-time clip. All-time. So you have no case for anybody else. All right, let's talk honorable mentions here. So I feel like we've already touched on a couple of them, but who were some of the toughest guys for you to leave off? Like I said, first off for me was Peja. Um, 13 of his seasons, he shot eight of them over 40%. He's 22nd in career three-pointers made. He led the league once uh, in total three-pointers made. Uh, the next guy was Steve Kerr. Steve just really didn't have the volume uh, compared to other guys, and it sucks just because that was kind of the era, and then you mix in um, 
just the skill set. Steve was a pure catch and shooter, couldn't really get his own shot, struggled at that. Uh, he only attempted 1.8 per game in the regular season, so he was a tough cut despite being the career leader in three-point percentage. Uh, another for me, Carson, was Drazen Petrovic. Um, in his short, uh, he was like 10 on my list for a while. I really thought about putting him on there. Uh, three seasons over 40% and only his four seasons played. Again, the volume uh, of it kind of played against him. He only shot two a night. The next guy, Carson, Chris Middleton almost made my list. I tried to make a really uh, hard push for him. 39.5% in the regular season, Carson. This man turns into a different beast when it comes playoff time. He's a 42.2% uh, three-point shooter in the playoffs. The man's an absolute beast. Milwaukee, you need to keep him around. Obviously, KD was close. Uh, Larry Bird was close as well. Dirk, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, and actually Joe Johnson were all pretty close cuts for me. Uh, again, I tried to make a case for most of those guys, uh, and I think all of them do to an extent, except for Joe. Uh, Percentage-wise, he was just kind of a you know volume shooter. Made a bunch of all-star games in a really weak East. But those were all of my really close cuts. Did I mention any guys that uh, you didn't have? Yes. Actually, there were a few of them. I didn't really consider Petrovic all that hard. I didn't consider Beal. I didn't consider Middleton. Would you have had Middleton above KD in your rankings? (laughs) Get a load of this guy. Okay, man. I don't know what's going on in that noggin of yours over there. I would like to give you all one more Steph Curry stat. So you mentioned his record, 402 three-pointers made, right? One other guy has ever cracked 300. It's just ridiculous. It's like Jerry Rice, but basketball and shooting the ball from beyond the arc. All right, so my honorable mentions, a few of them I already listed off. Joe Harris, James Harden, those were my two toughest cuts. Nash was my third toughest. I will say Steve Kerr, obviously the all-time leader in three-point percentage, 45.4, has as many seasons over 50% from deep as he does under 40%. A stat like that will just make your brain explode. It's four of each, by the way. The reason for that, though, is also because you have more outliers when you have a smaller sample size, and Kerr just didn't shoot nearly as many threes as guys do today, and when he did, they were pretty wide open. So he's got a case, I guess, but I don't really think he does just because, like, why would you take him over a Seth Curry or a Joe Harris or one of those guys who's shooting 44% on such higher volume with a little more degree of difficulty and all that? So shout out Kerr, though. I did have Peja here, I think maybe a little ahead of his time, and just another guy who's such a phenomenal all-around player and particularly shooter of the basketball. As I mentioned, Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans. I thought about Kyrie Irving just because I think his shot making off the dribble is absolutely transcendent. He's 39% for his career. And maybe we don't think about him as you know an all-time three-point shooter because so much of what he does is just that dazzling mid-range stuff and finishing around the rim. But I think we're going on five straight seasons at 39 plus percent from deep. And again, career average of 39%. So If I'm looking for one shot off the dribble, he's on my list of top 10 guys, just maybe not quite as strong all around. CJ McCollum, another guy I considered, I think he's better than 40% for his career, a bunch of that off the dribble as well. Paul George, another superstar player who I think has the number six single season three-pointers made spot at 292, and indeed he does. And the season we're seeing from him right now where he's having the greatest shooting season on that volume ever at 47 point something percent on like eight attempts a game. One of the greatest shooting seasons of all time. Trey Young, obviously I couldn't have put him here, but I do think that he is one of the most unique shooters we've ever seen and that he has that Dame-esque ability to stretch the floor, just not quite as good at it. And then besides that, nobody was really keeping me up at night. I did write down a bunch of names though. I wrote down Jeff Hornacek, even though he didn't really utilize the three as much just because I mean, he was primarily a mid-range guy, but he was deadly when he shot the three. Mitch Richmond, one of the best volume shooters of his era. 
I wrote down Doug McDermott <laughs> just because I don't know, man. That dude shoots laser beams. And uh, you could make a case for a bunch of current guys. I don't know. Gary Trent Jr. is like playing at the level of a guy who could be a top 10 shooter of all time someday. No case right now, though. And I also wrote down Glenn Rice. I would say one of the great shooters before the super modern era. And I wrote down Dale Ellis, one of the great tall shooters of all time, if you will. I'm surprised. Uh, we've gone this far in honorable mentions, and we haven't mentioned Bubble Jamal Murray, the greatest shooter of all time. That's true. I will also point out, when you asked me if there were any guys who you had who I didn't have, I forgot to mention that I do not have Larry Bird on my honorable mentions. I just don't know that I can. Yeah, he's absolutely one of the greatest shooters of all time, but when you're making less than 1-3 a game and on 37.6%, like, yeah, he obviously could have been something different, but he wasn't. So do you want to run down uh, our like shooters with uh, in closing seconds? Yeah, I don't have that list, but you can go ahead because I saw you writing down some no, names dude, there. I mean, I, do you have that on the top of your dome? From beyond the arc? Yeah. Go ahead. You do yours first. All right. I would have Steph 1. I'd have KD 2. I'd have Dame 3. I'd probably have Bird 4. Look, I know that he's not like an all-time. No, no, that's fair. Um, I'd have Dirk 5. I'd have uh, Harden 6. CP3 7, D Book 8, I'd have Clay 9, and at 10, I'd have Chris Middleton. No BS. No, genuinely, I might have Middleton above all of those guys. He just gets his shot off automatically. Okay, I agree with your top three. And I think there's a case to be made for Larry at four, definitely. And some of his greatest threes of all time are in those clutch moments, right? Because if that was the only shot he could get off, he'd be pretty money from there. I can't go 10 all the way, though. I don't know. It's hard for me to think about clutch shot making, but specifically for threes. You know what we should do someday is our best just clutch shot makers, period, because Chris Paul is on my list then. I don't know. It feels like it's always for mid-range with him. And then Kyrie is definitely... Oh, Kyrie's in my top five. I'll do a top five. Throw Kyrie in there. Put him above Bird. And then is there anybody else who I'm missing? I mean, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller are definitely in my top seven so i'm putting them both above larry as well actually if it's just beyond the arc all right well i mean you've gone you've gone seven do you just want to go go another three i don't know if i can put chris middleton on my list but that man is a ice cold bucket i guess i'll throw clay on there again just because the window does not matter and the degree of difficulty does not really matter he catches the ball anywhere and he is an absolute flamethrower so that's eight and then richard lewis at the number nine spot. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we're stopping it at eight because... Oh, the fans want you to round it out, Carson. All right. Somebody come to my brain other than Chris Middleton before I put Chris Middleton on this list. Chris Middleton at nine. And uh, who else? Let me scroll through my list and think, man, I don't know, dude. Like, CJ? Over, like, Bird? I thought I put Bird back on my list. This is the problem. I don't have this written down anywhere, so we're just guessing. This is just mayhem at this point. No, I think I have Larry on there somewhere. But I might take CJ or PG as my last guy. But I also could take, I don't know, like if I'm just getting the ball to Duncan Robinson and he doesn't have to do anything, or Davis Bertans, they make strong cases. I'm not going to lie. I, I briefly considered Michael Jordan for this list. I, I don't care that it's a three. That man is just a, a killer. Oh, for this specific list. Yeah. No, there's a case to be made. All right. My 10th and final guy will be, I want to say Buddy Heal just to frustrate you, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, who should I go with? You, you know what? Dead. I'll go with Corver. 
if I'm taking a tight window shooter, give me Corver over Robinson or any other guy. Actually, no, scratch that. Give me CJ McCollum because he can get a shot off the dribble no matter what. And by the way, is shooting the basketball better than we've ever seen before. I should say was before he got injured, but he's utilizing the three way more heavily than he did in previous seasons and is still doing it on 44% efficiency. Like, I don't know, man. If he continues to make that evolution in his game where it's less mid-range, more from beyond the arc, he might work his way onto the real list. You take CJ over Dirk. How am I getting the ball to Dirk from beyond the arc? What do you mean? Like, why don't I have Dirk out of the post? It's a little too weird for me to actually envision. Because it's like, if it's a last-second shot, I don't want Dirk shooting a three. Carson, you were thinking about this way too heavily. I just mean in the scenario... There's a defender on him. They got the ball at the top of the key. The seconds are closing. I want Dirk pulling that MF. That's fair. I want CJ McCollum. All right. I'll, I'll let you have CJ. No, but that's fair, though, because Dirk is also obviously unique in how unaffected he is by whoever's in his face because it doesn't matter. I'm picturing him shooting a fadeaway three right now, and it's a dirty shot, and I want him taking that shot. So, all right, that was a fun little list there. But this one was filled with controversy, and I think for good reason, because it's a tough list, and it's like you have a full three-point shooting resume, right? Like, where you can come to sort of a common agreement about what you value in that resume. It's where do you gauge the eye test versus the numbers versus the skill set versus et cetera, et cetera, and we definitely had some differences, but I thought it was a fun one. Yeah, and I foolishly had Kyle Korver at the number three spot. Dude, I don't think you should be as hard on yourself as you're being right now, because I thought about doing something like that mad at yourself so fair enough all right on that note we will be wrapping things up for today if you want more nerd such content because there is plenty of it you cannot check out our most recent episode because it was not recorded we did a live in-studio show on saturday and both our primary and backup recording devices failed us so it no longer exists and if you heard it live congratulations you are part of an elite class of human beings but you can check out our previous nba show and you can also check out some weekend content we did on our youtube channel where Logan broke down what is wrong with the Boston Celtics, and I talked about why Bam Adebayo was robbed of an all-star spot, which he absolutely was. And of course, we will be coming out with NBA content both this Wednesday and Saturday when we will be back live in the studio. Wednesday, we'll be live on YouTube and hopefully Twitter as well, talking some more NBA basketball. You can follow us on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh and on Instagram at nerd sesh. And with that, I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Kim. And this was Nerd Sesh. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.